Hello, you're listening to Superstar Spiels, the podcast that brings you all things streaming and content creation. This is episode one, and we're going to be talking about Crash Bandicoot games. Hello listeners, this is your host Vandalize. For today's episode, I'm going to be talking to a Superstar Streamers member about the still very much loved classic Crash Bandicoot. Superstar Streamers is a fun, supportive community for streamers that's all about positivity, diversity and community. And joining me from them today is the Mystic Scythe. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. It's pretty cold here, so I'm really enjoying my coffee, but I'm good. (laughs) It's warm where I am, but I am also enjoying coffee because coffee makes the world go round. (laughs) So we're here to talk to you about um, Crash Bandicoot. And I have to ask, when did you first discover Crash Bandicoot as a game? Oh, Oh, it would have been really, really young. Um, I reckon I would have been about four or five when I first came across Crash Bandicoot. Mm-hmm. And that would have been because, like, my cousins were the ones playing Crash Bandicoot before me, and so I would always envy them because they got to play this really cool-looking game, and I didn't own it. And so by the time I finally got my hands on a PlayStation, they would bring their copies around to my house and I'd be able to play them, and it was just a game franchise that I kind of really wanted to keep trying but never really could until I was older. So it's one of those ones that's I've kind of slowly came to enjoy and kind of playing more and more and just keep falling in love with it every time I got back to it. Oh, that's awesome. It, it's so great when you you find a franchise that the more you play it, the more you love it, and it makes you want to keep playing it more and more. Yeah, exactly. And there's like, because platformers are just easily replayable. Like, I just constantly go back through the levels every now and then just to make myself suffer some more. <laughs> that is one of the interesting thing about platformers is... They're set up in a way like the 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 genre is set up so that you want to keep playing because you want to get better than you um, managed to do the last time you played. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's the whole idea of like it's easy to play, but it's difficult to master. So you're just constantly having to go through and try to pick up little techniques as you go along to make you get better at the game, really. Absolutely. And so with all of the games that you've played, you've, you, you've mentioned that you've been following the franchise for a while, um, eyeing it off since you were about four or five, but not getting to play it until um, a little bit later in life. Of all of the games from the franchise that you've played, which would you say is your all-time favorite and why? Oh, I reckon, I forget the name of it now, which bothers me. I think it's Wrath of Cortex. It's like the fourth or fifth one. It was one that it was the first one I ever got to own. It wasn't one that I was borrowing from people or people would bring it over. It was the one I actually owned. And it was just really cool in the ways they did level design because it was different from the first three in which there was this kind of like traditional platformer feeling. But these boss levels got more and more intricate in this one because it started playing with the screen a whole lot more and there was a lot more 3D elements than just kind of running in a linear path. Okay, and I just double-checked, and it was indeed Wrath of Cortex is, I believe, the one that you're talking about, a PlayStation 2 release from 2001. That sounds about right, yeah. (laughs) 
And was there any particular element of the game that made you fall in love with it and that makes that one your favorite besides the um, features that you just talked about? Oh, it's just the characters of the game are really, really fun to play with. Like, there's a good tone of humor throughout the Crash Bandicoot series. Like, it's not all just seriousness and, you know, this kind of feeling of if I fail, everything's going to die and I'm not going to save the universe. It's like, you know what? It's meant to be hard. Just keep playing it. And the humor and the wittiness of the game really helps um, alleviate that kind of stress of going, oh, I'm about to fall down a hole. Oh, well, I'm, I can try it again. There's a bit of comedic flair to player deaths and whatnot in the game. That's great. And so um, with that feeling you get where you try the game and fail, but then try it again, would you say that that gives you um, valuable life skills that you can use in the real life outside of just the game? Absolutely. It, it teaches you resilience over anything. It's the idea of, you know, if I if I just get through this little bout of frustration, like once you get to the actual end of a level that you're really struggling with, the feeling of actually completing that is really great. It's a good like endorphin boost, I guess. Um, and it kind of teaches that idea of if you just keep trying and persisting and you'll finally get to where you need to be somehow. Um, it's just a really good positive boost to have a successful run in a level that's just been doing your head in. And isn't that what we all want from games? That, 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 oh, that, that happy, positive boost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're meant to be games, they're meant to be enjoyable, but there are a lot of times where you kind of just sit there and go, ah, and not being able to do what you want. But once you get there, it's so, so good. Excellent. Excellent. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about Crash Bandicoot today is you've streamed Crash Bandicoot for your players, uh, sorry, not your players, your viewers on Twitch. Um, what was that like? And how did you find the game helped you to engage with your viewers? Um, so streaming it was actually pretty fun. Um, I streamed it for a while um, because I tried to do platinum runs in the Insane Trilogy, which is the remaster of the first three games, mm -hmm. which instantly became a lot more difficult because I had this personal goal set of trying to get every single achievement in the game. And the way that worked with viewers was very well because they would just keep going like, oh, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And then any time I failed, they'd see that little moment of frustration and then it just would go like, oh, I'm live. We're all just like giggling at it because it's just that pressure of getting angry at the game is kind of just released because other people are there just kind of giggling at you fail as well. <laughs> so um, the the levels of frustration you occasionally showed to your viewers was one of the, I guess, positive points of the stream. It was one of the things that kept them there. They were waiting there for those, those moments. Oh, absolutely. Because it was just... It's platformers are just fun to watch even if they're frustrating for the player simply because you can relate to that feeling like mm -hmm. anytime i watch someone play crash bandicoot and they're getting stuck on parts that i got stuck on i'm sitting there going like ha ah, happened to me too happened to me too <laughs> oh, and they were just, oh it's just like relating on that level of i know your pain but you can do this you can do this i did i know you can that sounds like so much fun. Maybe I should play a platformer at some point on stream. Well, absolutely. 
the perfect <laughs> games to stream, really. The whole genre is great. That's why Super Mario Maker is doing so well right now. This is true. This is very true. So you, you've mentioned a couple of times that there, the, the game um, has some quite difficult points, which has ended in some frustration and some amusement during your stream. And Crash Bandicoot is generally known for the increasing difficulty and the frustration that it can have you elicit. What would you say is your most hated level in any Crash Bandicoot game? Oh, that's a really tricky question. Um, a lot of the bridge levels are really hard, especially in the first game, because it's you have to cross a bridge with falling planks, and it's only this small little area to jump on, and it, the camera is from behind, pushing forward as you move forward. So you can't see all the way down the bridge to see what's coming ahead. You just have to keep rushing forward and, and see what comes running at you. So it's quite terrifying, those kinds of levels. Um, and I think one of the other ones I would mention are the levels that came with the remaster that were originally deleted from the original games. And having played them now, I realize why they were deleted. <laughs> They're just super, super difficult and very frustrating, uh, especially when you're trying to do time trials. So they were fun to do, but kind of like, you know, hair, it's like having your hair pulled out kind of idea. <laughs> it's really, really tough to get through. Oh, that sounds so frustrating. But at the same time, yeah. very, very fun as well. You, you mentioned that um, some of the bridge levels in the first game were quite difficult. Um, I was looking through some some history on the game before this um, episode. And it turns out that the first three levels of the game that were completed and able to be played in 1995 before its release um, were actually judged to be too difficult and they had to make easier levels. And those three levels were pushed back to later in the game. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. No wonder, ah, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna find them. <laughs> Oh yes, oh yes. Um, speaking of, I was wondering if I could try a little bit of Crash Bandicoot trivia on you. I'm willing to give it a go. I'm not great at remembering a lot of things for trivia, but we'll see. We'll that, see how it goes. Look, that's okay. If there are any questions here that you don't know the answer to, um, or that you get the answer wrong, I will let you know what the correct answer is. Uh, okay. Let's have a little bit of trivia fun. So, this is one that you may know since you are a fan of the series. Question one is, who originally created Crash Bandicoot, the game? Oh, um, I believe it was Naughty Dog, right? Nice. Sorry, I should be specific. Who were the people that created oh, Crash the Bandicoot, people. the game? Naughty Dog oh. is definitely the original publisher of the game, but who? That there are two people that originally um, started creating the game. Okay, I'm just running through my head all the Naughty Dog employees and kind of like figuring out all this stuff. I don't think I know the people actually. I'm so surprised. That's okay. So the two original creators were Andy Gavin and Jason Rubin. Okay, I've definitely heard of Jason Rubin. I don't know Andy Gavin. Okay, I'll have to look that up later. So they actually originally started creating the game um, on their trip when they were moving to work for Naughty Dog when it was acquired by Universal Interactive Studios. Right. Uh, basically, on their trip there, they started um, this idea of a game that could be really fun to put together, and it ended up being Crash Bandicoot. 
Wow, that's insane. Second question is related to that. When they were developing the game, they had they gave it a joke code name um, in the early stages of development before uh, the characters were finalized. What was that joking code name? Joke code name. I've I God, I have to like delve into the back of my mind for this. Um I feel like it must have been like a rip-off of something. Like they were just joking around. <sighs> no, I'm I'm gonna struggle with it. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember now. That's okay. It's probably a little bit um of a less commonly known piece of trivia, but the uh, jokingly, it was jokingly codenamed Sonic's Ass Game, and the reason for that was because <laughs> they took inspiration from Donkey Kong, Mario, and Sonic. And when they were designing the game, they realized that the player would be forced to constantly look at the character from behind, <laughs> and so they jokingly coined it Sonic's Ass Game until they um, oh. fleshed out the characters, which I thought was a little bit hilarious. Explains the tight jeans on Crash Bandicoot. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so question number three. Before they settled on Crash being a Bandicoot in the game, he was designed as a different Australian wildlife creature. What was it? Oh, I don't think it was a kangaroo, because I know they've definitely had... There's a boss that's a kangaroo. I feel like... Well, it wouldn't have been... Ah, damn. I'm just trying to think. Maybe a... Was it a wallaby? Or a wombat? It was indeed a wombat. A wombat, yes. Yes. I've got one. (laughs) So the... the, In early uh, character design, they designed a wombat called Willie the Wombat. Um, But marketing, when they first saw him, decided (laughs) that Willie was not a catchy enough name they wanted him to be called wex wubbles what sorry wex wuzzles or wizzy the wombat i don't i don't think i'd enjoy it as much if it wasn't crash bandicoot with wuzzles the wombat i know right it sounds much um i think i think if if they'd had that character it would have come across as deceivingly easy and cuddly compared to the game that it actually is. So I'm glad that they went with the changes that they did. It sounds like you are as well. I would be crying endlessly at Wuzzles. Like, it'd be written on walls about the pain. (laughs) Save me from Wuzzles. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, one last trivia question for you. What is the name of the fictitious isles that the game is set in? Oh, um... Not the Wumper Isles, is it? It's named after the fruit, I believe. Yeah. Yes. So it's called the Wumper Isles, and it's supposed to be an archipelago that is located just south of Australia. Oh. Hence um, all of the original character designs and uh, enemy designs being um, Australian wildlife creatures. It's supposed Mm. to be, like, just, just south of Australia, so probably not very far from where you are. It's probably just Kangaroo Island. Probably. I should go down there and see if I can find Crash. Yep. <laughs> or some Wumper Fruit. Or Muzzles. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Um, so that's probably all we have time for for this episode. Thank you again so much for joining me. As we wrap up, could you please let our listeners know where they can find you? And if there are any projects that you've got going on at the moment or any plans you've got coming up that you think that they might be interested in. Ooh, okay. Uh, you can find me over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the mystic scythe. Uh, I stream every Sunday, Monday and Thursday at this current stage. Um, I'm also on Twitter, which is same name at the mystic scythe. And in terms of projects, I don't have much planned at the moment. Um, currently playing through Vampire the Masquerade on Twitch. So if you're interested in seeing some gameplay of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, come check it out. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining Superstar Spiels today. And thank you, everybody, for listening. If you'd like to meet more of our members or a streamer that would like to join our community, make sure you check us out over on our website. Head to superstarstreamers.com. Hope that we get to catch you for the next episode. For now, this is Vandalized, signing off.